I, Greg Perry, the Historic Preservation. Continuing on with gauged brickwork. Um, it's pretty deep, it's complicated, but it's all good information. So uh, we're going to pick up tonight with setting the work. To produce joints of such fine measurements, the substance of the bedding material must be reduced to a very fine state of division. In normal gauged work, the pure slaked lime known as putty is the material employed. Traditionally, this was prepared by slaking graystone, feebly hydraulic, lime in a tank. Chalk, chalk lime was not used always and was quite disliked for structural gauge work, though acceptable for some gauge work such as tightly jointed arch work. And this is because it had contained more strength. The traditional method generally used to prepare the lime putty was to part fill the tank with clean water fit for drinking and not to add the lumps of quicklime. This is the product of burning calcium carbonate using a clean shovel. Initially, the water would bubble and boil furiously. At this stage, the whole mass was stirred with a larry, a special tool like a hoe, until it became a creamy slurry adding a more clean water when it was uh, absolutely necessary. This slurry was next passed through a fine sieve, the message of which were, you know, roughly five millimeters or even less, into a lower tank. Alternatively, it was passed into a wood-lined pit and then covered to allow excess moisture to leak into the soil. The resultant lime putty was left to stand for several days to mature, and ensure that there was no unslaked particles of lime. Note that if this traditional method is employed today, it is essential that operatives are experienced and that they wear goggles and protective gloves. And I can't stress this enough because a few years back I had uh, gotten some of this in my eye by accident and uh, had two eye surgeries. The surplus water could be drained off as the lime precipitated. Indeed, many of the craftsmen used to, to enjoy a glass of lime water each day, considering it as a good health tonic. After several days, the lime putty stiffened to the consistency of lard. It could be cut for use with a clean shovel or trowel. The water was added to bring it up to the required consistency for proper laying. The tank was always kept covered with, a damp, with damp sacks to prevent the lime putty from drying out and to keep the dirt dust and grit out of it. Today, lime putty can be purchased direct or prepared from bagged, hydrated lime. Modern health and safety regulations, the need for complex method state statements, and the lack of experience of these once traditional skills mean that on-site slaking, as we said, starting in the 17th century, is rarely undertaken today, or indeed allowed today anywhere. Feebly hydraulic limes of varying strengths, also known as the terms gray stone, stone, gray chalk, or gray lime, were once widely available in Britain and were quite preferred as the binder for the fine mortar used in setting gauged brickwork. This was because they had lots of workability in their strength, which was way too hard for the rubbing of bricks. Like other, stronger classes of hydraulic lime, a feebly hydraulic lime hardens by both 
an internal set due to reactive minerals within the lime, as well as the long-term reabsorption of carbon dioxide driven off by the lime burning phase or process. This latter process is termed carbonization. Non-hydraulic lime, also termed fat, rich, or high calcium lime, is derived from pure 95% plus sources of calcium carbonate, such as chalk or seashells. This is incapable of setting and hardens only by carbonation. As stated earlier, although pure limes were not favored on structural gauge work, they could and can still be used on some types of finely cut arches that are in themselves naturally strong and features such as aprons and plat bands that are structurally contained within standard brickwork. As for all mortars, the specification detailing the class of lime binder should be based on the nature of the bricks, the construction of the performance of the element and expected degree of exposure, etc., to ensure it of sufficient strength, but not stronger, for it to perform satisfactorily. A mortar should never be stronger than the bricks it binds. That's biblical rule. The modern class of lime, which is broadly equivalent to feebly hydraulic lime, is available as a powdered hydrated lime that comes readily bagged and is sold as NHL2 lime. To create putty, this should be added to the water and not the other way around and mixed to the consistency of thick cream. It should then be left to fatten up for a maximum of 24 hours after which it can be reworked back to the consistency and ready for use. This reworking is substantiated in the technical literature of hydraulic lime producers, such as Saint-Estier. Some types of traditional feebly hydraulic lime putties made from gray chalk were capable of being kept for several weeks below a film surface of water as the internal set was both slow and weaker compared with some others. When required, the stiffened putty was knocked up again without the addition of extra water. Lime is water retentive, and the stiffened mix would return to a workable surface. Only would a small amount of clean water be added to achieve the desired consistency for the particular gauge work to be constructed. Today, any hydraulic putty made from NHL2 lime that is left over at the end of a working day should be discarded and new putty made for the next working day. Pure or a high calcium lime is always best left for a longer period of storage. Two weeks is considered an ideal minimum. The longer it is left to mature, the better. If using a dry hydrate powdered high calcium lime typically purchased by bricklayers as the plasticizer in cement-based mortars. It should be mixed to putty as described above. This particular method of producing a pure, non-hydraulic lime putty, however, will not produce such a good matrix as traditionally slaked non-hydraulic lime, which is always to be preferred. It is possible today to buy traditional ready-slaked lime putty from some specialist suppliers. This is delivered in plastic tubs with resealable 
lids and is sealed in plastic sacks inside and is easily stored. Like all non-hydraulic lime putty, it should always be stored with a layer of water over it and covered as it cannot be carbonated or hardened below the water. This layer of water is termed lime water. Some people mistakenly assume that because the brick layers historically termed the mortar for setting gauge work as lime putty or putty lime, or because the work had a putty joint and that the mix simply consisted of lime putty alone. It did not. A fine grade of silver sand was added so that it was similar to the fine stuff used by plasters. Without this silver sand in the mix, there would be shrinkage and cracking of the mortar in the joints and the resultant joint of engaged work would be liable to future failure, particularly where a pure non-hydraulic lime was used. When the joint exceeds two millimeters, it becomes increasingly difficult to dip lay. A butter joint technique is then self-employed. This involves holding the brick bed face up over the lime putty, silver sand mortar, lifting up sufficient mortar with the suitably sized trowel, quickly and deftly applying the mortar along and down each side and end, being careful not to allow any onto the face of the brick. This requires considerable practice to perfect and to ensure a full joint to prevent shell bedding, a bad craft practice whereby only the sides of the brick have mortar applied to them, leaving the middle empty and resulting in a much weaker joint and unit of masonry. Gauge, gauge work that is to be ornamented by in-situ carving is usually set in a smooth phase of powdered whiting, which is crushed chalk, and shellac mix. Instead of shellac, patent knotting is sometimes used. This is mixed by gradually adding the whiting to the gauge of a well-shaken knotting to form a creamy paste, only mixing small amounts of it at a time. It is normally applied to the brick with a trowel and buttered. It is convenient to cut off the surplus material that protrudes from the face work with a knife or a plaster small tool. But this should only be done once the mix has developed a skin and as it starts to harden. While lead and shellac was once another common bedding material used in exactly the same way, but health and safety regulations have prohibited the use of white lead without special license for a number of years now. When the lime putty is ready for use, it is again poured through a meshed sieve into a dipping box, which is about 375 millimeters square by 250 millimeters deep and dampened prior to use. The box is usually placed about waist high to help reduce strain of the brick layer and to steady his arm while the brick is being dipped. A shortage of straight edges can be placed across the top of the box, and this is also used periodically to stir the mix to keep it workable. Depending on the type of line and the fineness of the joint, grading and clean silver sand is added to the lime putty until the desired consistency is achieved. Placed next to the dipping box, the bricks to be laid in a pail, or better still, a small plastic tank of clean drinking water. The type of brick used is very porous and must be immersed in water before dipping into the lime putty. Any dust on the brick must first be brushed off.
The length of time that the brick should be dipped for comes with experience, but as a general rule, the brick should be withdrawn as soon as the sizzling sound stops. If the brick is allowed to get too wet, the lime putty will not adhere in sufficient quantities for proper setting. If not dampened sufficiently, it will not pick up too much lime putty for a fine joint. In addition, it will set too quickly and prevent proper manipulation. So generally, it is better to pre-soak the bricks for a while before laying commences, and as each brick is picked up, to give it a quick dip or dock in a pail or tank of water if it needs further dampening. In the process of dipping, the brick is floated on the top of the lime putty mortar, which should be leveled flat, starting with the back edge to avoid staining the face of the brick, so that, as it is leveled out, the bedding surface just contacts the putty. As the brick is removed from the putty, it is drawn towards the operative and raised at the same time. This keeps the face clean, any dipping taking place at the back edge, which does not matter. When a cross joint has to be applied as well as a bed joint, then that should be dipped first. This ensures that both joints unite fully at the bottom corner of the brick before the brick is laid, thus avoiding hollows at both weaken and work and demand unnecessary pouring in afterwards. The existing walling that is to be built on with gauge work should be brushed clean and dampened thoroughly to prevent in-drying out of the new, new work brickwork too quickly, thus increasing workability and preventing a sudden set that would cause an inferior bond with the existing work. Before bedding the brick, scrape away a small portion of the lime putty mortar from the center of the bed just sufficient to allow the bed to spread as the brick is laid into position. The brick is placed with a sliding motion into position. A final tap with a trowel, brick hammer, or small rubber-headed hammer being all that is necessary to complete the setting. The final position should be checked with a level or straight edge. As the brick is rubbed into position, a small bead of lime putty is squeezed out of the joint beyond the face of the brick. It is considered good practice to leave this until the work is initially cleaned down once it has dried sufficiently. Any attempt to remove it while wet will result in the lime putty spreading over the face work. This will lead to too much more labor to remove excess traces in the smearing when the work is finally cleaned down or rubbed up using a handheld float stone upon completion. In recent years, it has become increasingly common to see some craftsmen finishing gauge work by slurring up the face of their enrichment with the lime putty, silver sand mortar, employing a technique used on some highly jointed ashlard stonework within the mason's tradition. However, this is not the way to finish the joints on gauge brickwork, and it should be banned for all educational purposes. It is often a way of disguising a poor setting technique instead of laying to form solid wear joints that leave the brick faces clean, resulting in wholly unnecessary over-abrading to remove the restraint lime, I'm sorry, the resultant lime residue from the face of the new brickwork. As a result, the calcium hydroxide is spread over it and drawn into 
the porous faces of the open textured rubbers, leading to lime bloom, appearing as a haze even after rubbing up. As the finished brickwork dries out finally months later, this haze is due to the calcium hydroxide being drawn forward and deposited on the face of the new brickwork, where it begins to gradually carbonate, forming calcium carbonate on that surface. It is important to remember that, like all traditional brickwork using lime mortars, this class of work has only been constructed during the months of March to October. This is due to the concern of frost damage, particularly acute with gauged work, where considerable volumes of water are used in the construction. Today, if work is to be carried out during the traditional winter months of October to March, especially using well-dampened rubbers and lime putty-based mortars, it is vital to create a microclimate with a temperature of plus 7 degrees Celsius. This will establish and maintain an acceptable minimal ambient temperature and a well-protected environment conducive to conduct the such delicate work, which is highly susceptible to frost damage. Cleaning down or rubbing up is usually done when the whole job has been completed. Where gauge work forms part of the main brickwork facade, it is set a little, say two millimeters proud, what will still finish flush when cleaning up is completed. As gauge work demands accuracy, it needs to be properly set out prior to setting the rubbers into their positions within the enrichment. Normally, timber profiles are fully erected and the brick positions within the enrichments are marked onto them to range lines from which to accurately control all the work. If the work is done properly, very little rubbing needs to take place, and unlike general brickwork, no jointing up of the gauge work is necessary, unless it is ashlard work, which can sometimes be set in larger 5 to 6 millimeter bed joints as the light application of a fine carborundum stone flushes up the brick and the joint into a fine, bright, unified plane. In archwork, a rough groove or joggle is cut into the opposing beds of the boissures. When the setting of the rich of the arch has been completed, this is filled with a liquid lime grout, eminently hydraulic, mixed with some silver sand. In the late 19th and early 20th centuries, ordinary Portland cement was sometimes used, but this was a very difficult and much weaker product than its modern counterpart. In earlier times, and much a much weaker product than its modern counterpart, which, when the grouting would have been made in hydraulic lamb slurry. So, the large volumes of water used in the setting of laying phase mean that some gauge work may sometimes develop effervescence. And some... Some modern construction of large span gauge arches uh, in certain places of London, the bricks used, um, called from the limited meds, which were pre-shaped before firing. They were dip-laid in some lime putty, as we just explained, silver sand mortar with a three millimeter joint and grouted upon completion with cement contractors. So several weeks after completion, 
after this process has taken place. This is due to the various salts in the bedding material or bricks being exuded over the surface of the work. This dries out and crystallizing as the salt deposits on the face work. These salts may be chlorides of sodium, potassium, or calcium, and sulfates of sodium or magnesium. Acids that neutralize the salts will remove the crystals. Until recently, a solution of 10 parts of water to one part of dilute hydrochloric acid was used successfully. Today, there are excellent biodegradable acids within the micron range, such as calcimex or tecopor, which can be diluted with water and used instead of more aggressive acids. For more information of other masonry cleaning systems, these are applicable and can be found online. Today, there is a tremendous increase in the use of brick in construction and even more so in the design of brick ornamentation. Despite the often astronomical cost involved, people once again will look the wonderful architectural enrichment that only brick can provide. Gauge brickwork still has its place in modern construction, as well as in restoration and renovation, and there still are craftsmen and rubbing brick manufacturers able to supply it, although they are very few at this point, and most are located in the UK. An increasing modern development of gauge brickwork was employed in the, in the conservation of a large site at Rampain Street in London, southwest, where many large span low-rise arches enrich the facade. So it's one of the few places that the, the, the width and breadth of such arches in modern brickwork in the last 20 years have been set up. The brick used was a medium red from Butterley Milton Hall Limited, now part of the Hansen Building Products. This brick is quite similar to the TLB red rubber to look at, although not delivered outsized for cutting down or quite as soft as to allow cutting with a wire bow saw. Nevertheless, these massive arches have been laid in a lime putty and silver sand joint and look extremely handsome. So lastly, we'll just have a quick uh, talk about hydraulic lines and, and again to reiterate the safety aspect of, of lime. Wide ranges of hydraulic limes are available in, in the uh, United Kingdom and the U.S., though few are from native lime producers. They are mainly imported from France, Portugal, Italy, and Germany. All are required to conform to the BSEN 459 and must have the coating of NHL which stands for natural hydraulic lime. This coating denotes that the lime is not contaminated in any way, has been burnt to the correct temperature, and is, therefore, a true hydraulic lime. These limes are classified in accordance with to their increasing strength as NHL2, NHL3.5, and NHL5, these are broadly equivalent to the traditional classifications of feebly, moderately, and eminently hydraulic limes, respectively. And then lastly, a quick word again about safety. All lime, whether it is lime putty or as a powdered hydrate, is highly, highly caustic, believe me, and will cause unprotected skin to dry and crack. It is advisable to use a barrier cream and gloves where possible, and care should be also taken to keep your eyes protected. 
Uh, not glasses are insufficient. That's what I had, but tend to use goggles or a face shield when possible, and particularly when mixing, by by wearing the eye protection. Powder lime should be mixed in a well ventilated atmosphere to avoid inhaling dust. And if you're on a job site, what I would recommend putting a fan behind you, blowing front to blow the lime dust as you're hydrating it um, away from you. So, so that's it. We're gonna we're gonna finish up. Uh, today and uh, talking about you know hydraulic limes and uh, and the sort so uh, we'll see you next time with a little bit more of gauged brickwork Greg Perry the historic preservationist signing out